Right about now, I would like to bring on somebody for you. Want to tell you that, um, ask you to help me make this introduction. I'd like to say a name, and I'd like you to repeat the name. And then when we get through, we'll all add it up, and it ought to have some fun for you. Are you ready? Let me say it first. You repeat it after me. John. Hello, what's going on everybody? Uh, my name is Jonathan Priedis, and welcome to what I guess is the inaugural first episode of this podcast, uh, Ranking the Beatles. Um, I thought what I would do today, I don't have a guest or anything planned, I'm not even going to rank a song today, <laughs> um, but figured since uh, this is a whole new thing for me, um, my first episode, I kind of wanted to introduce myself a little bit um, and talk about why I'm doing this. Why do I love this band so much that I'm willing to spend all this time ranking their songs? What gives me any right to try to rank the recorded works of arguably the greatest band of all time? And really, I have no authority to do this at all, um, other than just the fact that I absolutely adore this band. Uh, the Beatles are still my all-time favorite band. They have been since I was probably eight years old, and here I am now at 38, and... Uh, Still going strong. So so the quick pitch on me, the quick bio, um, I am a musician born and raised here in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I spent the last eight or nine years in a band called The Breton Sound, touring around the United States of America. Before that, played in a band called Cowboy Mouth, uh, also from here in New Orleans. They had a radio hit back in the late 90s. And uh, yeah, through that, music has allowed me to see the world, which has been a really amazing opportunity. Um, and a lot of that, of course, is due to being a Beatles nut. Um, they tend to be like a, a, a tie that binds a lot of musicians. Oh, God, what else? Let's see. I, uh, I have two dogs named Jojo and Maxwell, both of whom named after Beatles things. My wife is named Julia. She was not named after the Beatles song as far as I know, but uh, seems fitting that we have ended up as husband and wife. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the long and short on, on your boy here. Um, but yeah, this is kind of something that started a few... Uh, God, let's see. Today is May 30th. Um, about three weeks ago, uh, we're all in quarantine right now, as you can guess. Out of just sheer boredom, I thought it would be a really fun project to sit and come up with my own personal ranking of all the Beatles songs. So I just sat down and started doing it. I put everything into a spreadsheet, color-coded it like a big old nerd, and um, just kind of started listening and going through everything and coming up with the with this list. So the way I figure it, I've got 224 songs. That's every studio album. That's all the non-album singles and B-sides, so everything from Past Masters 1 and 2, and then tracks from Anthology, so Free as a Bird, Real Love, and songs on Anthology that were recorded for release but didn't actually make it out. They got shelved. 
So that grand total puts me at 224 songs. And then I started posting a song a day on Facebook. And it was pretty interesting to see the the reaction it was getting uh, from a lot of friends and the conversations that were happening through it. So it, it was a pretty immediate you know, response that it was a, a fun idea. And then um, a friend of mine, a couple of friends actually popped up and said, you know, this would be something that would be really cool to put into a podcast and you could talk to other people and kind of get their opinions on things and just go back and forth because it was such good-natured, fun debate that would go into such great detail about things. Um, it just seemed like a really fun thing. So here I am. This is my first podcast. <laughs> um, now, I should also probably mention that while I have spent probably an exorbitant amount of time thinking about the Beatles, listening to the Beatles, studying the Beatles, researching, um, daydreaming, Lord knows... I wasted a lot of school time, you know, writing the Drop T logo on my notebooks and stuff. Um, by no means am I the end-all, be-all authority or knowledge master of Beatle things. Um, there are lots of people who know way more than I do about this subject. Um, there are podcasts out there that are really great. Um, some amazing Beatles podcasts out there. Um, done by men and women who know so much stuff and have put so much time into it. Um, and if you love the, if you like the Beatles, I hope you listen to those podcasts too, because they are all fantastic. And I hope to have some of those men and women on this show to talk to. I think that would be a lot of fun. You know, one of the things that I, I think people like to talk about when they're talking about the Beatles, especially um, are firsts, you know, like what was the first Beatles album that you got? The first one I ever got was, um, well, my parents owned a copy of Abbey Road. Uh, that was the only Beatles album that they owned, oddly enough. Um, they were not huge Beatles fans. Um, but they had a copy of Abbey Road. That's the first one that I remember hearing in album form. The first time I can remember hearing the Beatles, though, um, you know, it's funny when you look at, like, a Bruce Springsteen or, you know, a lot of musicians uh, who were around when the Beatles came to America especially. They'll talk about the first time they saw the Beatles. The first time they heard the Beatles was on Ed Sullivan. What a great eye-opening moment it was. For me, the first time I heard the Beatles, I was sitting in the waiting room of an orthodontist waiting on my sister to get her braces tightened. And I heard a song come on the radio that was playing in the waiting room. And I asked my mom what it was because I had never heard it before. And there was just something about it that just stood out. I was probably eight or nine at the time. Um, and it was I Should Have Known Better from A Hard Day's Night. And I don't know what it is about it. It's not my favorite Beatles song. <laughs> no, uh, it, it's really not. But there was just something about that song that just kind of made something stand up in the back of my head and go, ooh, this is different. This is cool. This is something really special. And so I asked her, you know, who were the Beatles? And she told me they were this really, really famous band, maybe the most popular band of all time. Um, and we went home, and she pulled out Abbey Road and put it on, and it was so confusing because it sounded nothing like the band I'd heard the, a couple hours before. So for my young brain, it was kind of strange. You know, this doesn't sound anything like what I just heard. 
And then a few weeks later, I ended up going to my aunt's house, and she had a vinyl copy of the Capitol album Beatles 4. And that sounded a bit more like what I had remembered hearing. Um, And so it was strange. They looked totally different, and they sounded totally different on these two records. And it just kind of blew my mind. And I immediately wanted to know everything I could find out about this band. So I was able to scrape some allowance together doing some chores. And I went to, I think at the time, it was a blockbuster music. And I remember looking through the cassettes and being even more confused because they looked different on everything. Um, So I ended up buying one that just had their name on it because it seemed like the easiest, smartest thing to do. And that was the White Album, which confused me even more. (laughs) Um, But my God, the depth of material that was on it for an eight or nine-year-old was just bizarre. Um, but it just started me on this thing, and I it just it's a I, I hate to call it an obsession, but I think most people who are diehard Beatle fans probably would call it somewhat of an obsession because everything that comes out you're gonna buy, you know everything that gets released you're gonna listen to, um, and now with the ad with with YouTube and things like that every morsel of tape that escapes. Every outtake you're going to sit and listen to, and it's so much fun. Uh, Every bit of live footage that you've never seen before, you're there for. I've bought Sgt. Pepper probably ten times in ten different formats, and it's just, it's something that, you know, I don't don't feel this kind of um, admiration and kinship to any other kind of art. Um, and it's a pretty special thing. I've made some really great friends through the Beatles. Um, I've made some really great memories from it. When my wife and I got married and we were discussing what we wanted to do for our honeymoon, I really wanted to go to England. It was always kind of a, um, it was always kind of, you know, a pilgrimage trip to go to London and see Abbey Road and go to Liverpool and see the Cavern Club and, and go to all those spots. And we, we couldn't do it on that trip, but for our 10th anniversary, we finally went. And, you know, standing outside of Abbey Road, you know, going across the, the zebra stripes, taking the picture um, with a whole bunch of other tourists, and standing outside of that studio where music that changed my life was made was really an awe-inspiring moment. It was, it was something I, you know... It was a feeling I, I, I can't even describe. Going to, to Liverpool and walking into the Cavern Club, even though it's not the same Cavern Club, um, was just amazing. Going into John's house, going into Paul's house, was just it was mind-blowing. I mean, so there's you know sitting in the room where they wrote, I saw her standing there, was just bonkers. <laughs> like, Wow. It's funny because when I was a kid and I started down this, you know, this Beatles road, none of my friends understood it. None of them gave a shit. I'm going to probably swear on this podcast, so I apologize occasionally if something drops like that. Uh, But none of my friends cared. They were not feeling the same thing as me. It was 1989, 1990 when I first got into this. And those idiots were listening to MC Hammer. 
and vanilla ice and things like that because we were really young. And here I am listening to stuff that, you know, their parents were into. Um, and it, it gave me kind of a world that I could retreat into that was just mine, um, which was really neat. It gave me things that I understood that was kind of like my own secret. And um, it, was, it was like having like a friend that was there only for me. And that friend stuck with me through middle school into high school, through college, through, you know, relationships, breakups, marriage, up up into present day, you know. Um, I can associate, and I'm sure a lot of people can, um, I can associate different memories in my life with with different Beatles songs, with different Beatles albums. I can remember taking a trip with my family when I was like, 14 uh, to the Smoky Mountains, and I had just gotten a cassette of Sgt. Pepper's. And riding around in the back of my dad's car in the mountains listening to Sgt. Pepper, which visually, (laughs) nothing could be further from the psychedelia of Sgt. Pepper than mountains. Um, But it was, you know, that's my association with it. But having that little secret world is what got me to kind of where I am in life now, you know, sitting there and and loving this music and wanting to do what they were doing is what led me to picking up drumsticks for the first time. It's what led me to picking up a guitar for the first time. Um, Learning all those songs was how I learned to write songs. And I know I'm not alone in in that. Every musician's influenced by the Beatles, you know, whether they say it or not. Um, But through that, I met other musicians who were fans of the Beatles. And through that, I ended up joining a band that let me tour the world. Um, and it was, you know, pretty fantastic. You know, some of the best, some of my favorite moments in that band were learning Beatles songs. We learned um, Golden Slumbers, Carry That Weight in the End, and played it at the 930 Club in D.C. to like 3,000 people to a sold-out room as an encore for a show and like nailed it note for note. And it was just like spine tingling, just this amazing moment. My own band, the Breton sound, we covered Helter Skelter. And like, I just used to love getting that chance to like play this song that I just love so much. A couple years ago when Paul canceled uh, some tour dates, he was supposed to come to new Orleans and all those, all these musicians had tickets for the show that suddenly had a night off. Um, so a ca- rather hastily McCartney tribute was put together with all these amazing musicians um, that never get a chance to play together. And it was so much fun. Like everyone just, it was a great camaraderie, like, learning, you know, working on these songs that everybody loves. It was just the easiest thing. Through that, I got to be good friends with three other guys and we started a Beatles tribute band called The Walrus and we play parties and, you know, school fairs and things like that. And it's just so much fun when we get to do those gigs and it's not very often, but when we do, it's just so much fun. That's the one thing that I don't think anyone can argue about with the Beatles is that it's just fun. There's so much fun that comes from it. Just whether it's listening or playing it or talking about it. And that's one of the, that's kind of why I'm here with this podcast. The post, you know, I started posting it on my Facebook page originally and 
the discussions I was having with musicians and non-musicians about these songs was just, it was such fun. So getting to do it in a more long-form way, I think it's going to be really interesting because everybody's kind of got their own personal rankings. And again, like, I can't stress this enough. This, these are just my own personal rankings. <laughs> I'm not saying anything's better or worse or like, well, I am saying that, I guess. I don't think there's a bad Beatles song. I really don't. Um, there's not one that I would ever say should not exist. Um, it's, just, it's really, it's my own personal ranking of my feelings for each song. I guess in some ways, I don't know, it, it's kind of silly maybe to look at it as kind of like, this whole thing in my head I think is kind of a love letter to this music that's gotten me through so many things in my life, you know, because about a year and a half or so ago, my my band came to this odd conclusionary spot where we had kind of gotten cliche chewed up by the music industry. And um, there had been this period of, you know, managers telling us what we needed to dress like and what we need to listen to and what kind of music we needed to be making. And to some extent, I kind of felt like I had lost touch with some of the things that I felt made me either the musician that I like to think that I am or the person I like to think that I am. And when we kind of put the brakes on things a little bit, I made this kind of conscious conscious decision to really double down on the things that I love, especially musically. Um, and I started really just, I got to a point where it was like, you know what? I just want to listen to the Beatles. I want to listen to the Beatles and Oasis and Weezer and Foo Fighters and B.B. King and Graham Parsons and Michael Nesmith and the Monkees and the stuff that I love that I don't care if someone else thinks it's cool or not. It's the shit that I love and it's what makes me happy. And for like the better part of a year, those are like the seven or eight artists I pretty much only listen to. And it felt so good. It felt so comforting. And at that time, I really needed it. And it made me think how much that music has been there for me throughout my life and how important it is to me. Right now, while things are so generally awful around the world and every day you look at the news, it's just more and more sadness and more and more awful, awful shit, it just seemed like I wanted to do something that just was fun. And this is fun. I have a lot of fun talking about music and talking about the Beatles. And I've got a lot of friends that feel the same way, too. And I think it would be a lot of fun to put some of that positive, fun energy out into the world. Um, and hopefully other people will enjoy it, too. So that's kind of what I'm doing here, y'all. Um, it's therapy. It's musical therapy, uh, I guess is the best way to put it. So, yeah, um, the long and short of it right there. So, yeah, I've got a bunch of friends who are musicians, um, writers, artists, non-musicians, writers, artists. And I want to make these connections and I want to talk with them about these songs that we all love or don't love. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mentioned it in kind of the shorter things I posted before, but I have a list of people I'm 
hoping to talk to, but I want to know also who other people would like to hear from. And please don't think it has to be like a white guy in a guitar rock band. (laughs) Um, I want to hear from every kind of voice I can possibly talk to, because I think in some way this music has touched people from all races, sexes, creeds, backgrounds, you know, music is a universal thing that everybody can connect to. And I think not much has connected more than Beatles music in some way or another. So yeah, man, that's my, uh, that's my story. I'm going to stick to it. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. And, uh, the next time you hear from me, I will be unveiling my rankings, starting with 224. I'm not going to tell you what that song is. I'm not going to tell you what my number one is. You got to wait. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, questions or comments, feel free to shoot me an email at rankingthebeatles at gmail. Follow me on Facebook at rankingthebeatles. Also on Instagram at rankingthebeatles. And have a great one. I'll talk to you all soon. Adios.